Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, it's a Monday edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Monday, November 16th edition. Hopefully this week we will get more and more news about the return to play for the NHL and the upcoming, or forthcoming, shall I say, 2021 NHL season. Big episode and huge week of Flyers Daily. Let me tell you what's coming up in this episode first. Had a chance to catch up with former Flyer and current Arizona Coyotes head coach Rick Tockett, who was just inducted, albeit virtually, uh, over, I guess, like a Zoom call, uh, to the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame. Certainly a worthy inductee. And we'll talk to Rick Tockett about his time playing here in Philadelphia in two separate stints. And also uh, what's going on now with the NHL and his Arizona Coyotes. So we'll talk to Tock coming up in just a couple moments. Also joining us on this episode, after we hear from Rick Tockett, will be current flyer. He was a breakthrough player this year. Nicholas Albay-Kubel was back in Philadelphia for uh, a long stretch of time, working out at the Flyer Skate Zone with some other players. And he'll tell us about how those workouts have been, how it's been preparing for a new season, and much more. So we'll hear from Nicholas Albay-Kubel as well. So let's right now, though, without further ado, let's get to the former flyer. Boy, he's one of those guys uh, that's going to be – or that could be or should be enshrined in the Flyers Hall of Fame. More on Flyers Hall of Fame players coming up. But here's my conversation with former Flyer and current Arizona Coyotes coach Rick Tockett. Uh, happy to have joined us right now on Flyers Daily, former Flyer and current head coach of the Arizona Coyotes, Rick Tockett joins us. Talk, how are you? Good, how are you? We're doing good, man. Uh, how's uh, life out in Arizona and dealing with a pandemic uh, been for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, the one thing, uh, you know, obviously you abide by the rules, but you can kind of go outside. There's a lot of a lot of space. So uh, bought a bike, uh, go for a lot of walks, things like that. So try not to be cooped up too much. Um, you know, there's a, there was a little bit of a spike here in Arizona, but I think it's hopefully going to start coming down. Um, you know, it's one of those things we all got to deal with. When you look at it, you guys uh, were in the return to play. How big is it for – you know, to be one of the clubs of the 24 that was in that return to play, when you consider the fact that it's been nine months now, uh, literally nine months from Friday was when the league shut down back on, on March 12th, uh, that they haven't played a game, they haven't had a practice. The fact that you at least got to come back and have be a part of the return to play probably is a big element maybe to success coming up this season. Yeah, for our team, uh, you know, I, I can't imagine for guys been in activity for nine months, but for us, we were lucky to get in and beat Nashville and get to that uh, 16 group. Uh, for uh, like I said, playing those pressure games are huge for young players. Um, you know, th there's nothing like it. You know, that's why you play the game. So for us to get a, you know, into those playoff style games, uh, it's only going to help the development for our young guys. So we were. That's the one thing I do like about uh, for us getting in, in that in that in, uh, return to play uh, group. What's it like for you? I mean, you've been in the game so long and we know the rigidity of the schedule as a coach. You, you know, this this is weird for you. It's weird for all of us and this time of year. You know, it, it's getting colder here on the East Coast. Uh, you know, it's hockey season, but nobody's playing right now at the pro level here in North America. Uh, so, so when you look at that and, and not knowing exactly when you guys are coming back, and I think we're getting closer to getting some of those details. And if you have any more you'd like to shed, you drop yeah. it here. But well, what's that like for you kind of? piloting an unknown uh, aircraft right now yeah I, I think all of us in this business uh, any sports athlete we're used to routine you know when you take the routine away um it's tough on players or tough even tough on coaches because you don't know what's going on you know you're here in a 
late December, maybe training camp, start middle of January. That's, you know, I think we're all here in spits and pieces of that. And I know the NHL and NHL PA has been talking a lot the last week, but um, it's just, it's, it's just the mentality that you have to have a strong mentality to be in this business and you got to make sure you're doing your stuff now. Um, you know, you, you got to get in a routine, even with the pandemic, uh, you know, you get up in the morning. I know the first couple of weeks during the pandemic, you know, I was just laying around because you didn't know what was going on. And then finally you got to get yourself going, you know, whether, whatever it is. And I know players have routines, you know, training, making sure they're getting ready for hockey, their body, the, the date's going to be there somewhere. Um, and I always tell our players, what's the worst that's going to happen. You're going to get in better shape. If you like, you know, if they keep, you can't wait, you know, you just can't wait to train and, and get ready for the scene. You got to start right now. And I think when they tell us to play, you'll be that much better for it. Not only that, that just being active like that helps your mental health in this whole entire thing as well. Get those endorphins moving. Hey, talk, you just, uh, congratulations are in order. You were inducted, uh, virtually, uh, but that's still, it's still real into the Philadelphia sports hall of fame, pretty dignified class. Jerry Sizemore in that class, uh, the, the late David Montgomery, uh, former uh, minority owner of the, the Phillies, also Kobe Bryant, Lisa Raymond, some big names that you go into the Hall of Fame with uh, the Philly Sports Hall of Fame. What was that like to, to kind of handle that virtually, first of all, and quite an honor? Yeah, I mean, I've been in, you know, I've lived in Philly uh, for you know, a lot of part, big chunk of my life, uh, been involved with sports with with the area. I mean, a big Phillies fan, um, Eagles, Sixers, you know, um, you know, Charles Barkley is a buddy of mine. He lives here, you know, growing up uh, in the eighties with him. Um, so just being part of all those and, you know, all those type of athletes and just to be, you know, inducted is, is just a very humble, huge honor. Um, but I, I had a great time living in Philly, uh, following Philly sports, you know, whether it's going to a temple basketball game, Villanova basketball game, going to an Eagle game. Like I used to do all that stuff and, just, you know, rub shoulders with some of the great athletes that you just mentioned. It, that's the funny thing. You guys had a camaraderie back in the, in the mid and late eighties too. Charles has talked about it, uh, going to watch you guys play, hang out. Uh, Hexie's his favorite player. He's mentioned you several times as well. Really cool. Um, in, in your career, you end up playing 18 years. You play 11 years in total and two stints for the Flyers. You're a six round pick. Could talk, could you ever have envisioned, you know, when you were taken in the draft in that six round 121st overall back in 1983, uh, the career that you had both as a flyer and as an NHL player, I mean, you're talking about 440 goals, 512 assists, 952 points and 1144 games. It's pretty gaudy. Yeah. You know what? I, you know, listen, it was a dream come true, but I just remember as a kid being 18, 19 year old driving. I remember the team service guy, uh, Joe Cadillac, taking me to the spectrum as a, you know, a draft pick. And I was at 19 years old at the time. And uh, just remember looking out to the either side of the Walt Whitman bridge, how big Philly was and like, you know, I'm a, you know, a young kid going, you know, where am I? Right. And then uh, just how that area of Philly, the Jersey area, how they, you know, they were family to me. I mean, I grew up there. So um, that's a, that's all. I always remember the Philly people and, uh, the, I have a lot of friends there still today that were influential just to get me by. I mean, there's nothing, you know, 19 year old kid. Uh, I mean, I, even though you are young players, you know, it's hard, you know, you're going to a big city, you don't know anybody. And, um, you know, Ed Snyder had that family, you know, atmosphere and that really, uh, helped me, um, you know, get to the, the career I had because of them. So I really owe them a lot. You know, it's amazing too, because you come in, you have some really good success as a group right away in 85, 
you face that great Edmonton team, you get another shot at them two years later. Uh, but in that 85 season, kind of really your first major taste of the NHL, what a perfect team to pick you, by the way. I mean, you, you, you see the Broad Street Bullies things in the, in the 70s, yeah. and the way you play the game is so hard-nosed. But in 85, in, in really your first full stint, it, you have to go through the whole situation with Pelly. You have to, yes. you know, I mean, what was that like? I mean, that, that'll galvanize a group, obviously. And, uh, you know, you rally around your lost teammate. But, uh, I mean, you're getting to the NHL. You, you want to simplify it and just play hockey. But you have this real-life thing that happened and uh, tragic. Yeah. What was that like for you to kind of go through as a young player? It, it, it was really tough. I, I mean, it really hit me a day or two later. I know Mike Keenan um, was always inviting the, our team over to his house just to to, to, you know, almost a group therapy talk about it. And I, I remember it was, I think the second night or third, I really hit me and broke down and, you know, uh, the, the teammates were unbelievable. Dave Poulin was our captain who did a, an unbelievable job um, to keep the group together. Mike Keenan, the, the same thing, you know, that was a very tight group. I got to tell you playing 18 years. I mean, I've had a lot of good memories and wins and Stanley cups and stuff, but that group was probably the closest I've ever been involved with. You know, that, that group was incredible pe people um, and, uh, you know, hardworking team that that's the one thing there we dealt with that. And, uh, and, and just because I think, because we had just strong leadership and, and a strong organization. Yeah. And yeah, just tremendous. And part of that maybe is what even propels you to that run back now in 87, you know, maybe the year after that, there's a bit of almost exhaustion. And then, you know, you get that run again in 87 against that oiler team with seven hall of famers on it. Uh, let me ask you, you believe Tim Kerr is healthy in that series. You guys win that cup. You know what, uh, Wayne Gretzky and Paul Coffey, close friends of mine, and uh, I usually, you know, when we golf, or it always, we always bring it up every once in a while, and uh, I always say, hey, you know, if Timmy Curry, you know, this guy's a perennial 50-goal scorer, you know he's going to score a power play goal every game. I think he might have scored a power play game in game seven. That could have been the difference. And they, they, you know, they bust me about, about that and stuff, but uh, that was a hell of a team, that Edmonton team. Oh. Uh, uh, you know, Wayne Gretzky always says, you know, the, the year they, you know, they've, he's won a lot of hockey games, but he, he said that was one of the hardest working teams ever played against uh, of all time. And uh, that was the one thing with Mike Keenan, you know, he, he, you know, I thought, I, I really believe we were the best shape those the eras uh, or that, that time we we're the best shaped team in the league. We, you know, he put us through the grindstone, but we were in great shape. And that's always something I always remember is that team always worked very hard. Talk to those teams were some of the parts teams where, you know, it, it was, you didn't have the superstar like the Oilers had. I mean, they had multiple, you, you, their second line center was Mark Messier, uh, but you guys were some of the parts group. Did you, did you take some of that, some of the parts group and, and take that into your coaching style? Yeah, I do. I, I really believe you have to have four lines. I believe, uh, you know, everybody fits a puzzle. Uh, you know, when you talk about a coach, you know, you can, sometimes you can have the best players, your best players on the line and something that doesn't work. You got to fit the best puzzle. And I think, to me, that that era when I played, I, like we were puzzle pieces. I, I could just name guys where, you know, they just fit a great puzzle, and they and they, and they accepted their role. That's the key. Uh, yeah. Now accept the role. Everybody wants more, and I understand that. But you got to accept the, you know, uh, being a team player and all that stuff is a huge part. You know, you look at the, you know, you look at a history, and you look at the last team that just won the Stanley Cup, Tampa Bay uh, Lightning. You know, took them. They had this basically the same team, but with a, they added a couple of puzzle people but players but uh if you look at them they just they knew they, they they put it all together how to win it took them about six years that find that great team to win and you could tell they they all sacrificed for each other it was it was nice to see uh, a team like that win um, the way they did
Yeah, to me, it's it's interesting too because they have all that skill. But the pieces that they needed were Barkley, Goudreau, yeah. and Blake Coleman. You know, guys to add a little sandpaper, and th- that's what it takes to have success in the playoffs. Um, you've been coaching now a while. Um, when did you know that you wanted to be a coach? Well, I, you know, to be honest with you, when I when I retired, um, you know, I was just gonna kind of. I didn't know what I was going to do. And then I got the phone call to coach from Tony Granado in Colorado. And I said, cut the bug. It's the best, best thing. I love coaching. Closest love, thing to being a player, right? Yeah. I, I, I love uh, strategizing and be part of it, but there's nothing, listen, there's nothing like sitting in, in the room, putting your skates on and being part of that. Uh, that will never fill the void. That's something I'll always miss as a player. But the, the coaching thing is um, to me is satisfying trying to try to, you know, listen, winning is great and trying to win the Stanley cup. That's my ultimate goal. But, also making players better, you know, uh, seeing a young player develop and trying to be a part of that. That's a big part of it also too. So um, that's the passion that I have. When, when you look back at your flyers life and again, it was two stints, you, you break into the league in 83, 84, but yeah. really at 84, 85 is your first full year. Uh, you get moved uh, on from to Pittsburgh. Uh, you go there, you win a cup, you got a 48 goal season. Um, and then you come back to Philadelphia, you know, what's it, when you look back at your flyer life, you know, what, what is, what, what kind of sticks out to you? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, I mean, for me, uh, just establishing myself as a person, as a player, uh, that, that helped, but, um, you know, obviously the 85, 87, you know, the, the, those teams we had, uh, the fans of spectrum, but when I first came back the second time, the year we lost to the uh, game seven there to Jersey, I mean, that was something that we always, you know, as a, as a group, every time I see those guys, like, oh man, if we could just, you know, that one inch here, one inch there, you know, we feel, I think at the time we could have beat Dallas also. Um, but there's a lot of what ifs, but that year was, I'll tell you what, um, one of the, I had such a blast, you know, being an older guy, you know, at the, you know, obviously in the back nine of my career, but just seeing uh, those guys, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the Craig Burbies, the Keith Jones, you know, Chris Terry. And like we had, we had a lot of fun, that team, a very close team. I know, you know, the, the things with Eric Lindgren's getting hurt and he was, whether he was going to come back and stuff like we dealt with all that stuff and, you know, Brian Boucher coming to his own. Uh, that was a good team. You know, uh, Patrick, uh, Patrick early uh, scoring late in the game. Yeah. Broke our hearts. It was, uh, it was, uh, I think, I think we all said game five was something that went, you know, that's the one thing that I always tell the players that disappointed me. We, we just weren't ready to play. That was a game. I think if we, we came to play, we were distracted and stuff. And I think that was a game that we kind of gave them. Um, and then obviously game seven, you lose. Yeah. You snapped. Well, that fourth win in the series is the most difficult. That's where you want to yeah. snap their neck and then they get life. And unfortunately they end up coming back against you guys. Uh, all said and done talk. Uh, damn, pretty. It's so impressive. 621 games for the flyers, 232 goals, 276 assists. And, uh, uh, a lot of points, 508 total points as a member of the Philadelphia Flyers. I, I appreciate you doing this, man. Best of luck, and hopefully this game gets back on the ice real soon because I know you're chomping at the bit. I'm chomping. Flyers fans are going crazy. Uh, last question for you. When you look at the Flyers and, and kind of where they're going, you know this. You played with some really good goalies. I mean, you, you look at when you came in with with Pelly, uh, Hexy, you know, you guys rode to the finals in 87. You've been in this game a long time. I mean, Tommy Brasso, when you when you were with the Pittsburgh Penguins, who was a great first round pick goaltender. You you look at you got some good goalies out there, and Anthony Ronson and Darcy Kemper with yeah. you in Arizona. And Brian Burke has always said that you know eighty percent of hockey is goaltending. Unless you don't have it, then it's a hundred percent. When you look at a guy like uh, like Carter Hart, uh, how impressed have you been with that young goaltender? Very impressed. Um, I, the whole team in general, uh, the way they came together last year. And, 
listen, uh, you know, any, any coach or any good coach will tell you you have to have goaltending, uh, you know, and, and, and I watch Carter Hart, especially in those playoff pressure games where, you know, he had to hold the fort, you know, your team's not always going to be on their game. They're not always going to play great. You know, obviously the great teams, they, 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 the consistency level is always high, but um, there's going to be parts of the game where you're, you know, you, you know, the other team's making a press and, I watched that young man, uh, you know, he stopped a, a bunch of flurries around the net just to keep him, give him life. And then the Flyers came back and won the game. And, the, you know, the, the goal is part of the team too, obviously. But, you know, when you have a guy, a young player like Carter Hart, a young goalie like that, the backbone of the Flyers for the next 10 to 12, 15, who, long, who knows? That's a huge asset for that uh, franchise. Yeah, no doubt to check that box. Hey, talk, enjoy. Uh, tell Charles to kind of fix that golf swing if that's at all possible. No, he's actually playing well. I played with the other day. He shot a 43 front, two birdies. Like, I'm telling you, people, he's wow. Game's coming. He's working hard five hours a day at it, though, but he's coming. He's coming. He's making a comeback, he said. Wow. Usually it was 43 for like the first five holes. So, yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. definite he improvement. Not the hitch anymore. And um, he's worked at his game. He's got a big event uh, next week with uh, Phil Mickelson, alternate shot against uh, Steph Curry and Peyton Manning. So, he's getting ready for that. Oh, yeah, I saw the, the, the commercials for that. That should be very interesting. We'll see if the hitch comes back under the pressure of the TV life. <laughs> talk, hey, best of luck. Uh, be well out there in Arizona. Appreciate you doing this, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you very much. Always great to catch up with Rick Tockett, one of the really good guys to come through Philadelphia. And, boy, how about that? There's no guy that just kind of fit this town and the DNA of an organization quite like Rick Tockett. He comes in in 83, uh, was a six-round draft pick uh, into the NHL, and comes in with the perfect game for this city. And there's a lot of guys like that that have played in Philadelphia. But I've always said this. I think it's extremely important for a franchise, a professional sports franchise, to know its identity, to know what they want to be, what they need to be, what the fans want them to be, to be successful, and to be that, and Rick, guys like Rick Tockett fit that bill perfectly. I'm not saying you need to go out and be the Broad Street Bullies because hockey's not that way anymore. But a team and a franchise does need to know what its DNA is and what its identity is. Because if you don't know what your identity is or should be, then you're kind of spinning your wheels a bit. And we see a lot of organizations like that in sports. They don't know if they want to be a super skilled professional team or a gritty team or whatever you want to call it. Uh, a team that knows its identity, generally speaking, is on their first step on the way to success by knowing what their identity is and who they want to be. All right, let's get to uh, a guy that busted out for the Flyers this year. Got his first Stanley Cup playoff action as well. Had a chance to catch up with Flyers winger Nicholas Albay-Kubel, and here's that conversation. Happy to have joined us here on Flyers Daily. He was a breakthrough player for the Flyers. Got his first taste of NHL playoff hockey as well. Nicholas Albay-Kubel joins us. Nick, how are you? Good, you? I'm doing good, man. I'm missing hockey, though. You know, like, it's that time of year. It's getting cold. I know you're back in Alberta right now, um, and I'm sure it's getting a little bit chilly there as well, back in Slave Lake. Uh, what's it been like for you not playing hockey at this time of year? It's pretty weird, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, I've been working out for three weeks in uh, in Philly. Um, it was fun going back on the ice and catch up with the guys that are there. And uh, yeah, for this weekend, I needed to, I'm going to correct you. I, I went back to Montreal to see my family. Not oh. in, uh, so you grew up in Alberta, but now you're in Montreal. Uh, no, exactly. I was born in Alberta, but I grew up in uh, Montreal. 
Oh, I wanted to ask you about That's Slave good. Lake too, because I was kind of like <laughs> Googling it. It looks like a cool place. Have you spent any time there? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, when I, after the playoff this year, um, I took my, my girlfriend and, uh, we went and my sister and then my good friend. And then we went to, uh, Alberta for over a week. Uh, it was really cool. We went to Banff. Um, oh. after that, we went up North, uh, in Slave Lake. That's where, uh, all my, my dad's side of family is, uh, is living now. How was Banff? It's 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 on my wife and my <laughs> mine's checklist as a place to go. It just looks like from the pictures, it just looks absolutely stunning. Yeah, exactly. I've been there a few times now because uh, first time I brought my sister and then I brought my my best friend. Now I went to, <clears throat> with my girlfriend that, that time. Uh, it's it's wonderful. Uh, Lake Louise is very nice, um, and the city, uh, the little town of uh, Banff is. It's a good attraction. You got a nice hike uh, on wonderful golf too. I went golfing with the, my dad, and my best friend there. And it was, it was a blast. Uh, let me ask you, you talked about being back on the ice here in Philly with a group of guys. Uh, how many guys do you have been working out over at the skate zone and what have your workouts kind of entailed? Uh, so far, we need a group of uh, three, uh, four total with me. Uh, so it's, it's, it's kind of, Good to ease it to, uh, to the beginning. Uh, nothing like crazy, just light workout and light ice. Uh, for sure, we not, we're not sure yet when camp starts, so uh, we're probably gonna go more on the ice uh, when we know when camp is and build into uh, like conditioning and everything. Important for you uh, as a player, um, a younger player in this league, 24 now, you turn 24 in May. Uh, important for you to be with teammates and, and working out with other NHL guys. Is that, is that a good way to help you kind of push it to, to a, a higher level and, you know, be able to, to work on those skills and everything with, with the NHL guys? Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's the major point why I moved to, to Philly a little earlier than all the other guys. Because uh, my, in my hometown, well, where I live in uh, Sorrel, there isn't much of a quality ice time and quality workout time. So, and I would have to travel uh, a little further to Montreal to to do that. So, I I just took the opportunity and the opportunity to have the the ice and all the the facility and the, all the staff in Philadelphia in Voorhees. So that's why I moved a little earlier. What was it like getting your first taste of playoff hockey, Nick? Um, you got in 13 games. Uh, you scored your first NHL playoff goal. Um, I know it was different because there was no fans and you were in the hub cities and, and all of that, but um, it was still, uh, you know, playoff hockey and, you know, you're fighting for, you're playing for your, your right to, to continue to move on in the playoffs. What was that like for you, getting that first taste? Uh, it wasn't as as, uh, as I dreamed, but because uh, of the bubble and everything, but uh, it was it was wonderful uh, to play the Montreal Canadiens, the team I grew up like mm. cheering for, and to, to play them in the first round. Uh, it was a very good experience. I wish I I wasn't hurt uh, at the end to shake their hands and everything. So that was that was really cool. Uh, I I enjoyed part of the bubble. Uh, it was a little uh, long towards the end. Like you're so focused on hockey, and then there's nothing else, and and going back to the hotel. So that was a uh, that was a, a, a fun experience for sure. Did, did, was it like uh, when you were a youth player and going away for a tournament, although it was a really long tournament, <laughs> you know, you go away for a weekend, it's cool in the hotel with all the boys and you're running around, but uh, you know, this is upwards of, you know, a couple months. 
Yeah, exactly. It was uh, pretty much all the guys were like little kids too. We, we didn't have much to do. We were playing uh, soccer, football, or even like bocce ball, and then going back to our room after every practice to play video game. I feel like it was uh, That's cool. It's a little different because we didn't have much to do, and we were trying to get stay busy as much as possible. But yeah, it got me way closer to my teammates for sure. Uh, one of the reasons why you're calling in today is you, you are participating in Movember, so you're you're growing the stash. Uh, what are you going with? You going with like a Tom Selleck? You going with like a handlebar? Uh, what, what kind of mustache are you going? And how's it looking here in the early part of November or mid November at this point? If people saw in the my evolution of my mustache in the playoff or my beard in the playoff, they they know I can't pull much of uh, <laughs> of, of style, but uh, I'm just shaving the whole thing and except my mustache for so far. Do you look in the mirror and go, oh, God, I look ridiculous? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, sh- I should have cheated a little uh, a month, maybe, to cheat to have a, a nice dash. But right now, it looks like, uh, well, not, not, not like much. I wish uh, I had more. Uh, uh, and, you know, November and, and Hockey Fights Cancer Awareness Month is the month of November for the NHL. It started back in uh, the late 90s um, when a former NHL player, John Cullen, came down with Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, but you had a teammate go through cancer last year, obviously, in Oscar Lindblom, the Ewing sarcoma diagnosis, which came down in December. And then to get him back, Nick, uh, on the team, practicing with you guys in the bubble, but to get him back actually into two games there before you guys ended up getting knocked out of the playoffs, what did that mean to you guys as a group? Uh, it was huge to, to see Oscar again in the locker room. I mean, we, we saw him uh, fight. Uh, we saw him like uh, before the, the camp, and he was skating with us. And I know he was going through uh, all his cancer treatment and everything. So it was really nice to see him go through it before camp. And then we didn't see him uh, during the whole camp. And when we moved to Toronto, and then saw him again later when he beat his cancer. And it was such I have so much respect for that person, for that guy. And oh, when he went through his. I, like I keep reading what he what he's uh, telling about that's his story, and I, I'm like I have goosebumps every time. I it's it's wonderful. Yeah, it's, and he's handled it with such grace and dignity as well. And you guys, and that moment against the Islanders where you, he comes back in that first game and everybody gets in the stick taps in the middle of a Stanley Cup playoff game was one of those great moments. In, in 2020, a year that's been one we'd love to all forget. Uh, Nick, let's look ahead to next year. Uh, you just mentioned we're not sure when you guys are coming back. Some news is starting to kind of drizzle in a little bit, hearing that also Claude Giroux is a part of the uh, players' uh, return-to-play committee, upwards of 15 or 16 players. Uh, you know, when you look at uh, coming into another season, it might be slightly shorter in the amount of games. The league wants to get the league uh, wrapped up and a cup handed out by mid-July. Um, it, do you find it difficult to prepare for a, a date that you just don't quite know yet? And when you get that date, is that when things really ramp into another gear? Uh, yeah, of course. I feel like I, I can see myself back two months ago not knowing what what to expect for uh when we come back on the ice, but I feel the as an athlete, you just stay in shape as, mo- as much as possible. And I'm really excited now to be in Philadelphia and work out with all the guys. And we know that date is, is near. So I'm putting even more effort into uh, being ready. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get a date for sure. It's going to sum up everything and just have a plan for the next uh, few months. And uh, whatever time uh, the season go till uh, I'm, excited and to have a chance again to 
playing the uh, playoff next year is what I'm working for right now. That's my main goal. Nick, well, you, you mentioned Lake Louise. That was a uh, an area pointed out earlier that maybe the NHL would kick off the season with an outdoor game on Lake Louise. That can't happen because it's a Canadian state park and there's sponsorship issues and those kind of things. Uh, one of the things being discussed, though, is to play some more outdoor games this year. Um, maybe with you, maybe you can have some more fans in those situations and also maybe just a, a cool little element for, for viewers at home as well to play some unique outdoor games whether that is on a lake or in baseball or football stadiums or whatever, uh, I imagine as a good Canadian kid, you would not be opposed to playing a few out, uh, one or a few outdoor games, would you? Oh, exactly. Uh, growing up, growing growing up in Canada, uh, every every little kid knows that you play outside until your uh, your toes are frozen. <laughs> uh, you play on that pond, or or every like neighborhood has their own. Uh, outside rink I in where I'm from actually so I know that uh it's it's like when I go back uh for Christmas break uh, usually I always text all my guys and all my friends and I'll set up a, a game outside and it's it's part of our culture I think in, in Canada like hockey is such a big sport that you go to the rink and then you see a lot of people and the outside rink I mean and I I had the chance uh in Lehigh Valley um, with the Phantom, we played against the Bear one game, and I, I had so much fun. Uh, it's a great rivalry too with the Bears. Uh, yeah, I, I remember as a kid being up in uh, for a tournament, being up in Pierre Fonds up there in Quebec. And f- for people here in Philadelphia that don't know, like we have basketball courts like on the corners in ur- in urban areas, and in Canada in neighborhoods, it's a basketball court in the summer, but it's a hockey rink in the winter, <laughs> and it's and it's got ice. It's not street hockey. It's and everybody plays it. It's fantastic. And it's why the, the development of the game there is uh, so, so good. Nick, uh, I appreciate yeah. you doing and awesome stuff with uh, the hockey fights, cancer stuff. And, and November, uh, we'll have to get a good look at that stash at the end of the month. You're going to have to tweet a picture out or something. So people can, uh, can, can judge you because we know how everybody loves to judge everybody on Twitter. Um, <laughs> and uh, we'll see how that stash looks, man. And good luck from preparation for the season. Enjoy uh, your time back with family right now up in Canada. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you soon and getting this thing underway. All right. Thank you. Well, he's an impressive four-checker, Nicholas Albay-Kubel. And, and the other thing that impressed me this season uh, about Nicholas is, on a couple of occasions, a real good release on a snapshot. I think surprised some goalies in the league this year with that release as well. He can put the puck in the net, and he's a, certainly a ready, willing, and very able four-checker as well. Uh, good bottom six player for the Philadelphia Flyers. And look, the, the emergence of Nicholas Albay-Kubel is another reason why they were comfortable not tendering a contract offer to Nate Thompson or to Derek Grant and to move in that direction. Even Tyler Pitlick, he can fill that role, the Tyler Pitlick role. Yeah, Pitlick, more of a veteran player. Um, but with what Nicholas Albay-Kubel showed this year, um, that's an opportunity for him to pick up more minutes, more responsibility, and uh, move his career forward as well. And, and when you look at uh, a flat cap situation in the NHL, uh, getting guys like Nicholas Albay-Kubel on that entry-level deal or on cheaper deals is going to be paramount for the next couple of years with a flat cap. And eventually here, it'll start to rise again. But uh, tremendous value for what you get uh, with that contract and Nicholas Albay-Kubel. So special thanks to him. Special thanks to Rick Tockett. Coming up on Wednesday's episode, we'll kick off a new series that we are doing, Flyers Hall of Fame Week. And we're going to start it with one of the greats, one of the great leaders in this franchise's history. Boy, he put the C on his jersey after Bob Clark. 
We're talking about number 20, Dave Poulin. He will be our feature guest. He'll join Bill Melter and I coming up on Wednesday's episode as we start Flyers Hall of Fame week. In the meantime, everybody, thank you for listening. Leave us a rating and review if you can. And uh, thanks for listening to Flyers Daily, and we'll catch you on Wednesday's episode featuring Dave Poulin. Mm-hmm.